revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine Uncovered, all about living the solutions. Today I have a, an important guest on, somebody who is has a company who's thinking outside the box because I think you have to be very savvy at this point to figure out how you're going to navigate the healthcare system. It's getting more expensive, it's getting harder to see physicians, and if you unfortunately need medical care that involves a hospital, you know, I, I have an issue with losing control of my patients. I don't. I can't tell them how much it's going to cost. And it's literally like Russian roulette almost when you go into these hospitals because there's no price transparency. And I think that patients need to be consumers. That's one of the things that we really uh, hype on the show. It's about taking your power back. And today I have a guest on who's going to help you as listeners and your loved ones navigate the system in a more efficient and savvy way. Um, I'd like you to meet Mr. Jim Pulsefoot. He is the CEO and co-founder of the North American Specialty Hospital. And if people go to the website, um, NorthAmericanSpecialtyHospital.com, I think you'll find that it's a wealth of information. So, Mr. Pulsefoot, first I want to thank you for spending time out of your busy schedule to speak about what you do and what your, your company offers. I think you are a trendsetter and... It's just a, it's a pleasure to be able to speak with you today. Well, Dr. George, thank you for wanting to have this conversation, and thank you also for all you do to raise awareness in the American public about how to engage more thoroughly and directly in healthcare in this country. I think it's a tremendous contribution. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And, you know, I'm coming at it from a physician standpoint. How did you come out? Uh, at this, how did you think about thinking outside the box to create this? Well, my life has been one one that's mostly focused on business relationships with Latin America. Um, more recently, uh, I've been involved with uh, philanthropic initiatives, uh, also involving Latin America. I was the first uh, founding CEO of something called the U.S. Mexico Foundation. But years ago, I was uh, in business school, and uh, between first and second year, I, I spent uh, in Mexico City working for Bankers Trust back in those days, and uh, learning about uh, international business, and especially with Latin American partners. I feel strongly that this hemisphere uh, can be more of a focus for all of us, and real value can be derived from Canada and the United States, Mexico, and Central American, South American countries, Caribbean nations, mm-hmm. collaborating more. So that's kind of the backdrop. But five or six years ago, after I was the founder of the U.S.-Mexico Foundation as its first CEO, I began to focus more on healthcare in particular, not from having had a healthcare background, but as a businessman who understood maybe some of the opportunities, especially between the United States and Mexico. And several colleagues of mine, a couple of physicians, a couple of other business uh, men and women involved in U.S.-Mexico relations, began to have some discussions about how now may be the time to rationalize the, the uh, delivery of health care between the United States and Mexico. And I uh, quickly was sort of thrust into this very complicated healthcare industry and kind of learning on my feet as we put together some of these trend-setting patterns that you uh, mentioned in your introduction. Did you find that from a hospital standpoint, I mean, our hospital system in the United States is very powerful, and they've become systems, and I can speak personally to what happened to our little area in Atlanta. We had dozens of hospitals. We had community hospitals and. We had surgery centers initially when I came into practice in 2001. Now we have three major hospitals, essentially no freestanding surgery centers, and they are extremely powerful. 
did they give you any pushback? I mean, this is competition technically where you're putting potential pressure on a system that doesn't take kindly to competition. <laughs> well, I think that um, the day will come when hospitals and hospital systems recognize that uh, that their attitudes and uh, policies and, and directions are no longer uh, ones that are leaving local patients without options, and uh, and maybe at, at that time they'll turn their sights uh, toward toward Nash. I think today we're sort of um, benefiting from the fact that the hospitals are so large and so focused on huge scale that they're not bothering to focus much on, on my company, the North American Specialty Hospital, or Nash, yet. I also think that um, hospitals probably mistakenly assume that the old medical tourism is still in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that years ago, medical tourism has been around for a while, but um, it's really, especially from, from the United States, for Americans that are, have been thinking about medical tourism over the last 20 years or something, it's the idea that it's conjured up is uh, traveling to some faraway place, um, long distance, you know, 14-hour flights or something to some unknown hospital in Asia or something mm-hmm. for a medical procedure to an unknown doctor uh, to unknown clinical protocols and unknown supplies and essentially um, useless uh, medical malpractice insurance coverage because you'd never you know bring a case forth in some faraway place and also sort of unknown hotels where you may be staying in maybe neighborhoods and um, such a, it's really a blind leap to the unknown. And maybe hospitals today in the United States don't, don't know yet that all of that is now different. And NASH is, is a good example of that. We are near shore, so to countries that um, are in this sort of North America neighborhood, like Mexico, for example. So mm-hmm. the flight time is, a, is an hour you know, from Atlanta, Georgia to where I know you are, Dr. George, to uh, to Cancun is an hour, hour and a half flight at this. Uh, and uh, to U.S. accredited hospitals, so NASH, uh, NASH is embedded in Cancun in a U.S. accredited hospital. It's also accredited at the highest level by Canada at the diamond level. It's also accredited at the highest level by Mexico, so it's triple accredited. We use U.S. clinical protocols, U.S. supplies and equipment, U.S. medical malpractice insurance coverage applies, and U.S. doctors who rotate from U.S. hometowns all over the country so that if you are a patient at NASH in Cancun and live in Atlanta, you have a U.S. doctor who travels with you from Atlanta for all of the benefits of the pre-op and the post-op. And you even have a U.S. hotel, a Sheraton hotel, which is directly attached to the hospital, which is only 20 minutes away from the airport, and uh, a NASH concierge officer picks you and and any family members that come with you up directly from the airport. So I think the hospitals at this point in the United States haven't yet realized um, what is an underlying threat to some of um, the practices that maybe haven't been in the best interest of U.S. patients, but they'll, they'll figure it out at some point, I suppose, and I'll try to be right. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully by the time you figure it out, patients have already figured it out before them, and they're more, they won't have the ability to, I mean, unless they're going to play the game, which I don't think they want to, they're not going to be able to capture that market. And, you know, this well, is... Oh, go ahead. Part of me trying to interrupt but you know, maybe we can be optimistic and think that some of this trend setting and this ingenuity um, might rub off on them, and maybe they'll sort of write their ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's the case, and if that affects Nash's business in 10 or 20 years or something, then I'll uh, finish up my career feeling as though um, I helped a bunch of patients while Nash was vibrant. And maybe the U.S. hospitals will 
correct themselves a bit and provide the sort of transparency that you and your program so often uh, talk about, right? That mm -hmm. there's so many of these attributes, these hyperinflated prices and lack of transparency. And as you said in your introduction, you as a physician yourself can't answer the question of your patients about what it might cost or whatever. All this dysfunction. If the Nash's of the world help U.S. hospital systems to right itself a bit and they compete on similar grounds, uh, even within the United States, and that negatively affects my business but positively affects healthcare in the United States, I'll consider it a, a career achievement and, and be uh, gratified nevertheless. I think that's an excellent point. And on that note, let's take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. This is Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away? a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Jim Pulsefoot, the CEO and co-founder of the North American Specialty Hospital, or NASH. And, you know, what's so unique about your program is that these are physicians who practice in the United States. And I'm really impressed that it's about preoperative and postoperative services that happen here in the U.S. And, I mean, am I wrong? I mean, people... You meet your patient, you have your preoperative consultation, and then as a NASH physician, you schedule your your operation in, let's say, Cancun, correct? Yeah, that's right. There was a New York Times article on NASH um, recently, which discussed uh, one of our clients, one of our employers. All of our employers are self-insured uh, in the United States. Um, and so let me use that as an example because the employer was public, uh, and, uh, and I'm not, uh, obliged under a non-disclosure agreement not to discuss it mm -hmm. since the uh, employer itself was, um, public in the New York Times. And that employer is Ashley Furniture, which is based in Wisconsin. So Nash, uh, functions out of a hospital, as I mentioned, uh, before the break in Cancun, but the Nash headquarters is located in Denver, Colorado, which is where I am today as we're engaged in this interview. And um, so for an Ashley furniture employee who lives in Denver, for example, and accepts the opportunity, uh, the invitation by Ashley to travel for treatment, which means that that employee, let's say, who needs a knee replacement, um, is expecting then to have a higher expected quality outcome 
from that because of the center of excellence in the delivery of healthcare. We're focused on all the diligence and the metrics and the transparency uh, that comes along with that uh, level of attention at the center of excellence. So employee gets a higher expected quality outcome mm-hmm. uh, and a zero cost. So the actually employee who ordinarily um, would, uh, if that employee, let's say, works out of a retail store for Ashley Furniture here in Denver, where I live, um, if that employee were to stay in Denver locally, then that employee would have his or her maximum out-of-pocket expense of the year met with one procedure, one knee replacement, and that would be something on the order of $5,000. But by accepting the invitation from Ashley to travel for treatment, not an obligation, it's just an invitation. Mm-hmm. That employee gets a higher expected quality outcome and a zero cost, zero uh, deductible, zero copay, zero out of pocket, and also the cost of the travel is zero. Actually, picks that up as well. And by the way, even though the financial benefit of the employees is so significant, Ashley uh, estimates that its savings out of its net income as a self insured employer is about 50% of the cost than if the patient had stayed locally in the United States. So how does that work with the uh, physician, to answer your question? Mm-hmm. Uh, once the employee, let's say in Denver, decides to consider a travel treatment option, then Ashley Furniture puts that employee in touch with us here at NASH, and then we uh, look for surgeons in our network in Denver, uh, as this example is uh, reflecting, who are... Um, part of the NAS system. Those NAS surgeons, usually in, in a town like Denver, will have three or four orthopedists, for example, since this is a knee replacement uh, illustration. So we have three or four orthopedists who are a part of the NAS system, and by that, they stay in their local clinics and their local hospitals. Um, their regular surgical rotations each week. They don't disrupt that at all, except for once a quarter, they travel to Cancun, to our facility, for a couple of days of back-to-back surgery. And so that Ashley employee in Denver, according to this illustration, then uh, is routed to a couple of different surgeons here in Denver that are part of the NAS system so that he or she can finish up all the pre-op examination and the x-rays and maybe there's some steroid injections or some physical therapy or something to try to help that knee that has some osteoarthritis or what have you. Mm-hmm. But if it looks like at the end that there's a clinical necessity for a medical necessity for that knee to be um, replaced, that's going to be replaced, then at the next rotation of that uh, surgeon, uh, the uh, employee from Ashley flies down to Cancun a couple of days ahead of time, then the uh, surgeon comes down, the surgery is completed, and the surgeon comes back to the United States. Uh, he or she has been uh, in collaboration with a local U.S. trained Mexican national surgeon as well, and the patient stays for about an extra week for intensive physical therapy twice a day, as opposed to only twice a week if the patient had stayed locally in the United States. Um, but we do uh, much more physical therapy, which really helps in terms of that joint um, advancing itself in terms of the recovery. And then the patient's back in Denver, the doctor is also back in Denver, and the 90-day typical routine for post-op follow-up is done right here in Denver, Mm -hmm. just as if the patient had stayed in Denver initially and done the surgery in Denver. The the patient sees the doctor for wound checks and x-rays and physical therapy reports and things of that nature. That's the way it works. That's pretty amazing. And it's a package, so you're describing physical therapy that you don't have to get pre-started for and you know, they only approve this many treatments and you need more. I mean, none of that goes on in this system, does it? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, you? I'll yeah. say. Plus, when you travel for treatment, as in this case, and you're on site in Cancun for a week, um, that can be a little bit inconvenient if you have to you know, if you have a dog and you have to get a dog sitter or something. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. But one of the benefits of that is that you are completely focused on that week on your recovery. Uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, in the first week or two after surgery, you know, the patient tries to be a good patient, but, you know, if the, the, the flower bed needs to be watered, and, um, and so you go ahead and grab the crutches anyway, and you kind of stumble outside the house, and you're on your crutches, sort of 
they're trying to water their flower bed or something and you realize you shouldn't be or something but you know those day-to-day distractions and risks of a fall or whatever uh, or twisting your leg a little bit and you know, inflaming it and having some swelling that is much less likely because in uh, at Nash and Cancun you're in a, a, a Sheraton hotel it's attached to the hospital um, and really you have the ability to sort of enjoy some relaxation, kind of focus on your healing, go to physical therapy twice a day, and what have you, not be distracted by a lot of what otherwise uh, might be a distraction back home. So there's some uh, hidden advantages, in addition to just kind of the break that usually our patients can done with a spouse or something, and make it a little bit of a mini vacation in a beautiful garden spot, uh, in addition to the, the recovery piece. I mean, it sounds idyllic, quite frankly. And you know what the biggest uh, comfort is, is that you're not worried about hidden fees. You're not worried about balanced billing. You know what I mean? And that's, right. that's peace of mind, knowing that economically you're done. You don't have to worry about, I have to look over my shoulder. I can't even imagine what that's like when people get hit with bills that they never knew existed. And you're quoting and, and the price is being paid up front. And I think from a patient standpoint and from an employer standpoint, this is a win because I think a lot of, I mean, it's hard to, especially for a small business, I can imagine medium and larger, being able to pay the premiums for your your employees or them having the out-of-pocket, it's become untenable. And what you're offering is, you know, a completely different approach to it, but it's it's better. I mean, I can't see anything that doesn't make this worthwhile. And on that note, let's take our second break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the Bubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Jim Pulsefoot of Nash. And part of the conversation that we were having before the break, I mean, I... I as a physician, I just want to treat my patients. I don't want drama. I don't want to have to fight with an insurance company. And this is a system that doesn't work that way. It's completely the opposite. And you were telling us how easy it is for the patient. What happens if they have a, a partner, you know, a loved one that, that travels with them? Is that How does that work into the package? Does that person have to pay separately, or how does it work? Well, Nash will structure that however the employer has technically our client would like. So the employer decides does the cost of the airfare get included in the bill that next spends or not? Is the hotel included or not? Mm-hmm. But I can say that almost always the employer includes in the package, in the bundle, cost of the hotel for two. All inclusive, which means that at the hotel that's next to Nash in Cancun, which is a Puritan there are two restaurants on the ground floor, 24-hour room service. You can also order your meal on the fifth floor roof, which has a beautiful uh, rooftop swimming pool. You can order them the, the meals at poolside. All of that is uh, included 
in terms of the hotel room as well as all-inclusive meal service. No alcohol, by the way, is included. You're there for uh, healing and, and not so much uh, for imbibing, so that's not included. Mm-hmm. But um, all of that makes the stay very nice for the patient and the spouse or other companion who really comes down to Cancun as a caregiver because uh, for the first couple of days, especially as the patient, even though the patient's up and walking on the very afternoon of surgery day, nevertheless, the patient's using some crutches and things like that for the first couple of days. And you'd like to have a loved one or a companion spouse there uh, helping to just make sure that all your needs are met or what have you. So that's, uh, that's almost always included. And sometimes the airfare is included by in our bill as well. And Otherwise, the employer always pays the airfare for the patient and the companion. But we adapt to whatever the employer, as our client, would like us to do in terms of the structure. Is there a movement from employers from the typical, you know, the ERISA plan model where they're having a commercial insurance be the administrator? Are you seeing a growth of employers who are leaving that system and joining NASH? Well, our employers generally start out with us. Mm. doing something that you probably know well, but your listeners may not, which is referred to as a carve-out. So it's carved out of the third-party administrator plan. Any uh, employer that decides to become self-insured chooses not to do all the claims processing. They may choose to pay for the claim, but they don't want to do the claim processing because of all those codes, as you know, that mm-hmm. uh, make it so complicated. So they hire a company, oftentimes it's the same insurance companies that, that used to provide the actual insurance coverage, in this case not providing insurance, uh, that the employer isn't outsourcing the risk of uh, medical claims, but rather keeping all that risk internally and self-insuring as the name implies. They don't want to do the claims processing, but because the claims processor oftentimes, to be perfectly honest, is kind of part of the problem in terms of what makes healthcare in the United States dysfunctional, sort of embedding in a lot of what's wrong with healthcare and turf uh, protection, that sort of thing. These employers generally just carve it out, as it's called, which means that instead of passing the, the bill for the knee replacement, in this example, through the claims processing and paying it once the claims processor sends the bill to the employer, the employer just pays it directly, which means that NASH sends the bill directly to the employer, and the employer just pays it. So mm-hmm. even go through the claims processing process because oftentimes the claims processor will throw up some impediments or mm-hmm. something and what have you. Now, after the employer's been on, on board for a while and the employees start to utilize it and things of that nature, then the employer has the ability to go back to the claims processor and almost a, you know, demand that the claims processor do what the claims processor should have done from the beginning and accepts NASH and you know, the network of the uh, facilities that are offered resources to the employees, but a lot of times that doesn't happen initially. can imagine. And you mentioned orthopedics as one of the surgical specialties. What else, what other kind of surgery do you guys offer? Right. So we started with orthopedics uh, just last year, especially with joint replacements. We'll be adding certain surgical, surgical oncology procedures, some cardiology procedures, some spine procedures. We haven't offered any of that yet. Mm-hmm. At this point, we focus entirely on orthopedics. Soon we'll be adding some other uh, procedures. We are pacing ourselves very carefully, though, because with each new procedure comes new instrumentation that needs to be exported from the United States to Mexico, to Cancun, and soon to be in Cabo San Lucas, where we'll also open up Cabo San Lucas on the west coast of North America, as your listeners may know, and Cancun's on the east coast of mm-hmm. North America underneath uh, sort of near Florida and then Cancun is uh, a couple of workers beneath uh, California. But each time when you expand into new surgical procedures, it requires a whole level of clinical protocol writing and uh, instrumentation for that particular procedure to be uh, purchased and imported into Mexico. So a good deal of effort needs to go through that. And then we pace ourselves very carefully with the rules of procedures, uh, stopping, refining, what have you. We'll expand here shortly. Uh, at this point, we focus on uh, orthopedics. And it's one of the huge ticket items here in the States. And is. is there a, right. an age that you won't see? I mean, Medicare, I really feel for the Medicare population, 
because they're kind of at the mercy of what what the country offers. Do you see, are you seeing a growth in Medicare-age patients accessing the system? No, because we haven't even approached at NASH uh, the opportunity of Medicare Mm -hmm. yet uh, with the assumption that Medicare uh, won't embrace this for political reasons, uh, leaving the United States for health care and what have you. And so, uh, yes, our, our patient age range, to answer your question, then stops at um, the upper range is Medicare age. And the lower range, uh, it kind of depends, of course, on the procedure. For a joint replacement, that's really uh, someone in his or her 50s and older. It's not typical to see a joint replacement unless it's because of an injury or something younger than 50. Typically, that age is you know, sort of mid-50s or so, uh, but we stop Medicare age 65. Okay, that's good to know. In terms of the physicians, how do you recruit them? I mean, it must one one of the best-kept secrets. If I were an orthopedic surgeon, I'd be calling you, like, right now. <laughs> but how do you yeah. find your physicians? You know, there's so much about the dysfunctional health care delivery system in the United States, which is kind of heartbreaking as well as just deeply worrisome. And one of those facets is the sort of um, pushing out of surgeons from the medical system in the United States, which, of course, makes no sense, but... The average cost for a knee replacement in the United States is probably $40,000 or so, and $30,000 of that goes to the hospital for one hour in the operating room and one overnight day. And then another six or $7,000 goes to the implant companies that make the artificial joint. Well, that only leaves about, you know, three, $4,000 for everything else, mm-hmm. uh, including the physician. The average physician for a private pay not a Medicare or Medicaid, but a private uh, paying uh, patient like an employee of an employee-sponsored health care plan. That, uh, that U.S. physician is receiving a fee, otherwise known as a reimbursement rate in industry lingo, of only about $1,500. You might think that uh, you, know, you get a knee replacement and you see all these bills coming in and just amazed at, uh, especially before some of the negotiated rates come down the, the starting rate, uh, which in the industry is called the, the initial rate is called the charge master rate, and they're seeing bills that add up to $100,000 or something, and then it appears as though your third-party administrator has negotiated that down some or whatever, down to 40 but but even that's all in $40,000, you're thinking your surgeon is probably going out buying another speedo or something, mm-hmm. and that's not the case at all. Your surgeon is only getting $1,500 out of an all-in uh, fee of $40,000. And at $1,500 for all the pre-op work and then the operation and 90 days of post-op clinic visits and things of that nature that you come in to see him or her after you've had your surgery, I mean, maybe that sounds like a lot to some of your listeners, but it's a small amount of money when you think about the fact that that surgeon takes so much time and attention with you pre-operatively, operatively, post-operatively, has to have a clinic um, and receptionist and physician's assistance paid anything else and pay uh, the medical amount of insurance coverage is not enough, frankly. Uh, ironically, he or she is being sort of pushed out of medicine in this country because the reimbursement rate, the fee to the physician, keeps getting lower and lower every year, even though the cost of the, uh, the all-in cost of the procedure, $40,000 or whatever, keeps getting higher and higher because the hospital is taking more and more. And so what NASH does is offer at least twice the fee to the physician that is the local going rate for that physician on the order of $3,000 per case or more. Still, although it's a small amount of money, but now more meaningful. And so U.S. physicians in this country generally react very favorably to the fact that every case that they do for NASH will receive a rate that's at least twice what they would get for that case in the United States, which is a much more reasonable and seems like fair-minded rate for that physician. Um, than what the physician would get if the patient had stayed locally. You just explained what it's like to be on the front line in a nutshell. I mean, I'm very thank you for speaking for us because the the mindset is the healthcare costs are because of doctors. We're driving it. We're the ones gouging the system, and that's the farthest thing from the truth. And we're getting we're, yeah. the sad part is the doctor and the patient are the engines of healthcare, and we're the ones yeah. that are getting the least and getting posed, frankly, by everybody who's, yeah, just inserting themselves. And the patient wants, I think if the patient understood that the patient wants you to have a reasonable rate, they understand that you as the physicians went to school for a long time Mm -hmm. 
And then you studied and studied, and even after you graduated from medical school or whatever, you continue to read journals all the time to stay abreast of the latest innovations in healthcare. I mean, they rely on you tremendously. And if they understood that, they, that the all-in cost for a knee replacement was $40,000, and you're only getting about a 1000 or whatever uh, as an orthopedist, which I realize you're not, but in, the, in this example, mm-hmm. I think that our patients would, would react, uh, they'd be appalled at the fact that their physician is being paid so little, and, and we rely on these physicians, no matter what their specialty is, so significantly. So this is what NASH tries to fix. We, by, by going near shore, by having to leave the country, the United States is just ridiculous that this has to be done, but by leaving the country, going to a near shore location, to a U.S. accredited hospital, with U.S. supplies and equipment and medical malpractice and boosts and everything else, we're able to, part, to cut the cost of that significantly, uh, the all-in cost of that knee replacement case, for example, significantly, in half or even lower than half the price, and yet we're able to pay the doctor twice what the doctor is getting in the United States, because that's what the doctor deserves, and that's what our patient would want that, that uh, physician to receive. So I'm gratified by the fact that we're able to, in a very dysfunctional delivery system, we're able to do uh, something about that that benefits the employer from a, from a higher expected quality outcome and, and lower cost, and the employee from the same benefit, which at the end of the day is hugely important. The number one reason for uh, bankruptcy uh, personally in the United States are healthcare expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to eliminate the cost altogether is a, a tremendous uh, help to that uh, hard-working American. Who have, we're not talking about the Obamacare uninsured. We're talking about 50% of Americans who get their health care coverage through their employer and still can't afford to do a knee replacement because they, they don't have the $5,000 copay right. or pay-to-pay portion, which is going to be billed to them at the end of the day. It's tragic. And I think there's been a conflation between having health care and having health insurance, and that conversation over the past 10 years has been completely wrong, but it hasn't been driven by doctors or patients, unfortunately. I don't put my trust and faith in the government helping me with this. This has to be an answer from the ground up, from doctors, from patients, from employers, the people who are paying for it, and the people who are delivering it. Everybody else is superfluous. They're not adding value. They're literally taking value and inserting themselves, and that has to stop. What What about the pharmaceutical side? I know you know the United States has the most expensive pharmacy, pharm- big pharma. Are people getting to get their medications post-op in a more cost-effective manner? And as a corollary, if you start treating cancer, I can imagine what a cost-effective venture that potentially could be because the cancer drugs are just crazy expensive as well. As of July 1, NASH began to offer what we refer to as a service called specialty pharmacy, and that's medications for patients who routinely are taking a drug oftentimes for maintenance of, let's say, for example, multiple sclerosis. Patients often need an infusion about once a month, uh, once a uh, semester, about once every six months, for um, uh, maintaining their condition of multiple sclerosis. Or maybe they are HIV positive and need a once-a-day tablet for drugs like Envoy, uh, Triomex, um, and they do that you know, for the rest of their lives. Um, these kinds of drugs, or multiple pool fluorosis maintenance, or HIV status, or Harvoni, which cures hepatitis C. As you mentioned, these drugs are remarkably expensive in the United States, mm-hmm. and yet the same pharmacy, when they produce them in the United States, but sell them outside a dysfunctional, hyperinflated healthcare system of the United States in countries around the world, including Mexico, or any other country near, near shore or far shore, for that matter, uh, usually charge about a third or so, a two-thirds discount mm-hmm. in the cost. But the U.S. government, through the U.S. Uh, border control system, customs, allows patients to fly back into the United States with a three-month dosage of any medication that they're taking. They have to visit a, a, a doctor in the, in the country from which they've come, in this case, Mexico. They have to have a foreign prescription for that medication. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the medication is a U.S. manufactured one mm-hmm. that was exported to that country. And when they show, if asked, uh, the Mexican uh, prescription, 
um, and the Mexican source of medication, then they're able to bring a three-month supply. And so we have patients now that who fly down once a quarter for a night or two. Their companies pay them to spend the night in their hotel, the Sheraton Hotel next to our hospital facility, and they fly back a day or two later. Um, so their trip is paid for uh, by the company, and they take up a three-month supply. They have to be well enough to do that. You can't be sickly and uncomfortable because mm-hmm. you personally have to bring the medication back in. You can't order it and have it shipped to mm-hmm. FedEx or something. Mm-hmm. That's under U.S. law. But that works beautifully for lots of rheumatoid arthritis cases mm-hmm. and many other conditions where patients are pleased, actually, to go to Cancun once a quarter and, and have a weekend off and some stay a little bit longer, what have you. That whole specialty pharmacy process is one that NASH has been now offers, and that's a great relief to the employers and to the employees. Wow, that is amazing. I mean, these biologics are just outrageously expensive, and it seems every disease now that become has become the standard of treatment. So, I mean, people yep. are denying themselves and not taking the medication in a timely way. It's it's amazing what people will have to do in order to stay healthy, and it's unacceptable. I mean, it is. I just it is. on that note, let's take our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You can catch the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and a host of other multimedia platforms. Subscribe and share it with your friends. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Jim Paulsfoot, the CEO and co-founder of NASH, the North American Specialty Hospital. And people should go to the website, um, NorthAmericanSpecialtyHospital.com. And I think the other acronym would be NASHHOSP, H-O-S-P.com. Now, is there a blog or some way that people can, you know, because I think for me, if I were an employee, I would be talking with my employer about you. So how can, is there a place that I can send my listeners that they can start getting educated, and it's all about letting their employer know that you exist. Well, yes. When you um, when you go to that uh, URL that you were sharing, Dr. George, um, there's a little button, uh, contact us, um, but it's basically just inquiries at nashosp.com. That's N-A-S-H-O-S-P.com. But, um, and I, I, I really welcome that, too, because the best way for this to be introduced is for an employee to go to the HR department and say, um, especially if it's a large employer, and say, I know I need a, uh, I'm going to need a knee replacement. My doctor has begun to, my primary physician or whatever is going to tell me it looks like I need a knee replacement. I'm, I'm deeply concerned that it's going to be hard for me to spend $5,000 this year on a knee replacement. And I heard on Dr. George's program that, uh, that there's a service where you, my employer, can have a, a relationship with NASH, and I could have U.S. doctors and U.S. service, that sort of thing, and it, it could be free to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and by having the employee go to the HR department and raise that request, it shows the HR department that this is not something that sounds you know, so crazy that the employees wouldn't do it. And we have some employers that the response is, oh, I, you know, we, we wouldn't. You know, we wouldn't want to force our employees to go to Mexico to have surgery, and, and our, our response, of course, is you're not <laughs> forcing them. You're inviting them if they want to. I mean, they get the same uh, care uh, in their summary plan document, their health care plan description that comes out, you know, every October or whatever it is. Everything stays the same. There's nothing any different except there's something, something added which is if the employee wants to do this, they can do this. They don't have to. Mm-hmm. So when the employee goes to the HR department and says, would you please look into this? Uh, or maybe, you know, calls us or sends us an email or something, or, or me, myself, I said, great, I'm welcome to receive those. Uh, it says, I, I'd like to go to my employer and ask if they would do this. Uh, we welcome that because that, that shows the HR department that 
this is something that uh, employees see as, as being as pleasant and sort of enjoyable and really sort of uh, a nice break for them uh, in terms of their lifestyle for eight, eight or nine days or whatever in country, but, but also just very helpful in terms of the cost reduction for them and the quality. I mean, one of the things you and I haven't really talked about on this program yet is another great irony in the United States is that healthcare quality is so inconsistent. I think most of your listeners don't fully appreciate that, which is they know it costs a lot, mm-hmm. but they assume that every hospital, every doctor, that they're all good facilities. I mean, they look clean and wonderful and green and beautiful lobbies in the hospitals and things like that, but sometimes these hospitals aren't nearly as careful as they should be about infection control, and they're not nearly as good as they should be about transparency of of sharing uh, the data with regards to how many uh, infections uh, take place within the hospital and what have you. Um, and so, ironically, even though the United States spends far more per capita, we have an 18% of our GDP gross domestic product goes to healthcare expense in the United States, whereas most industrialized nations have something more like 12% or 10% or less. Um, you would think then that we would have the best outcomes in the world. And the mm-hmm. truth is, we have we have some of the worst outcomes uh, among the industrialized nations because our healthcare delivery system is so dysfunctional. It has such inconsistent quality. Now, to be fair, we also have a tendency to be overweight in the United States. Smoking and some other things uh, contributes to a terrible outcome relative to some other countries. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that the healthcare system isn't nearly as good as the dollars that we invest in it, you would think, would uh, produce. It's, it's about becoming a consumer, again, an informed consumer. You don't have to settle. You don't have to have your, your pocketbook completely emptied. And you can actually be healthy and your employer can stay healthy. And this is such all the dominoes in this type of system, knowing that you can actually create a system that actually functions, is not prohibitively expensive, works for both the patient, the doctor, and the employer. I mean, how many things can you say in the healthcare system is a win-win for everybody? Well, there's one loser, uh, which we can begin to end on this note as your program draws to a close, uh, which you touched upon earlier, and that is the local hospital. The local hospital where the, the, uh, the surgical case is leaving that local hospital, the doctor benefits, as we talked about, the patient benefits tremendously, the employer benefits tremendously, the, the one uh, factor in this equation which is not benefiting is the local hospital. But the local hospital, unfortunately, has, because our system has allowed it, I think it's, it's part, you know, Congress, it's lobbying, I don't know what else, but the local hospitals charge a remarkably high amount mm-hmm. um, because they can, not necessarily because they have to, but because they can. And by plucking the physician and the patients outside of Atlanta, Georgia, where you are, or Denver, Colorado, where I am, um, going to a, a, a near shore location like Cancun or whatever, then you're able to have that win-win-win that you talked about, although the hospital um, doesn't get to have that patient. But the, the problem is, is that these hospitals, you know, I think kind of have been taking advantage of that a little bit and that's caused a great, uh, uh, a great hardship. We've had, we had a patient, uh, a couple of months ago who was having, um, a second knee replaced. And that's the other thing. I mean, with joint replacements, if you need one knee, you're probably going to need a year or so later of the second. Mm-hmm. If you have one hip to be replaced, you're going to have to get the second hip. That same osteoarthritis problem is probably bilateral in both of your limbs. And uh, that means that you're going to have a $5,000 or so, you know, maximum patient pay portion one year, and the next year you're going to have another one. <laughs> this patient uh, was on a second mean and was sharing with me that, that uh, before Nash was introduced to his employer, he had his first knee done and was still paying and, and would be you know, a certain amount of this paycheck every month. I asked him, when will you have paid off, you know, two years ago when you had your first knee replacement done for your left knee, when, when will that be paid off? Uh, now that you're here for a right knee replacement, for which you will be charged zero dollars. And he said that he really had no idea that, 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 uh, that the amortization of that debt was, was just going to go on and on and on and on. And these are, again, these are not the Obama, uh, uninsured or underinsured. These are 
50% of Americans who get their health care from their health care uh, provider, which is their employer, they have health care plans. Um, these are people who are supposedly covered. And if that's not bad enough, go to your cardiologist, uh, where the cardiologist says, you need a heart valve replacement. And the patient says, I can't afford it, I don't want to do it, don't tell my kids. You literally, this will take your life. If you need a heart valve replacement and you don't do it, you won't be alive in five years. And yet the patient say they don't, they can't afford it. And these are people who have health care plans provided by their employers. Someone has got to do something. Your whole purpose for having this program is to try to share knowledge of how the patient can be more informed, involved with the doctor, looking for a solution to do something that allows that health care. We have the best health care in the world, unfortunately, it's inconsistent quality, but some of it is fantastically good. Mm-hmm. We need to get ways for those patients and those doctors to be able to connect in a way which is financially acceptable. And unfortunately, having these surgical procedures done in the United States has almost entirely devolved into a situation where that's no longer possible, which is why we have some near show locations that are now doing it. I can't add anything to what anything else to what you just said because it was very eloquent and very true. And thank goodness you're part of a solution, which is really the key. It's you know it's not what what exists; it's what you've created. And I really appreciate your time today, and I look forward to having you come back on, especially if you have any other um, specialty parts that open up. Please feel free to come back on the show and let us know what those are in the future. Thank you uh, in your uh, life uh, on this particular program for doing all you can to raise awareness. I think uh, it, it must be tremendously beneficial for your listeners to hear of these types of innovations, not only just my own, but uh, the North American Specialty Hospital, but in so many other ways that know as you do these programs. So thank you for the time and attention that you place to this. My pleasure, and thank you for being on, and Thank you, everyone, for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.